The Cynthia Joyner Real Estate Group is an award-winning team with hundreds of successful transactions under their belt. Through their national network, the Cynthia Joyner Real Estate Group works hard to help families realize the dream of home ownership. As a community advocate, Cynthia Joyner is proud to be the presenting sponsor of Jazz in the Park Huntsville. You can find the Cynthia Joyner Real Estate Group on the web at CynthiaJoyner.com. I think jazz is whatever you want it to be, to be honest. There, is, there are no rules in music, you know. Um, it's really pointless to put a label on any genre because it's all music at the end of the day, you know. But jazz is, jazz is, is basically having the freedom and flexibility to to be yourself as an artist and and play what you feel from your heart and play, you know, what's in your mind and and, and spirit and soul and and it kind of kind of a chance to have a conversation in music or have a conversation with the audience without using words, using music as your tool. Jazz is the most free form style of music, uh, which is which is in many cases the best because there's no limitations and there's no box that you have to be in. Jazz is uh, jazz is the freedom to be who you are and, and to have your own personality. That's that's how I view jazz. You know, I, f- I view it as the most unrestricted form of music where you could do what you want with no rules and say what you got to say and the statement that you have to make. That's what jazz is to me. Jazz. 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 Jazz with Kenny Anderson. One of the fastest emerging contemporary jazz recording artists in recent history, multi-instrumentalist, composer, and producer Vincent Ngala has blasted into an exciting stratosphere of his own, Making Sense, his 2010 critically acclaimed debut album, North and Soul. Still in his 20s, the charismatic saxophonist has been named Billboard Smooth Jazz Artist of the Year in 2012, Sirius XM Watercolors Breakthrough Artist of the Year in 2013, and his music is consistently found atop the most noteworthy music charts in the world, including four number one hits on the Billboard Smooth Jazz chart, and 10 singles in the Billboard Smooth Smooth Jazz Top 10. As much of an entertainer as he is a musician, the Yamaha performing artist has been wowing live audiences as a regular on the popular Smooth Jazz Festival and cruise circuit for several years. His fun-loving stage presence, combined with an obvious passion for playing, elevates the crowd to an exciting frenzy. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm glad to welcome to my platform Jazz with Kenny Anderson, none other than Vincent Ngala. Welcome, Vincent. Kenny, how are you? I'm doing great, and I am so honored and happy to have you here today. Uh, This is a little bit of a catch-up since we last had a chance to talk. In fact, the last place we actually talked, you see a lot of people, so you may not remember. I'm just going to remind you and I'll put you on the spot. It was at the Perfect Note in Birmingham. That's right. You you finished a performance, and I came up to you and said, Hey, Vincent, how you doing? Hey, everything's going great. How's your sister, Jackie? And we had a great conversation. <laughs> that's right. That's right. A couple of years ago now. Yeah. It's been a couple of years. That's right. So this is a chance for us to catch up a little bit, find out what's been going on with you. I know a lot of exciting things have been happening, but of course the pandemic has happened as well. And sure. I always like to start there and just do a little check with people. How are you doing right now? 
I'm doing great. You know, thank God. Um, nothing uh, noteworthy uh, to say as far as, you know, health or anything like that. So I guess no, no, no news is good news in that respect. Everyone's good, the family. And uh, we kind of just weathered the storm, so to speak, you know, but um, not to take away from the rest of the world. It was a, it was a tough time for everybody, you know, and it was uh, completely unprecedented. Nobody ever expected that or saw that coming, but we, uh, we made it through the rain, I think, so to speak. We're not totally in the clear yet, but I, I feel like we're getting there and uh, things are looking up. So, you know, thank God we're starting to uh, see some kind of normalcy now. We're getting back on the road. We're performing. We're uh, making music. And, you know, one of the one of the main positives for me with the pandemic was being home. I had so much time to put into brand new original music, which resulted in uh, a new project that just came out for me. So, you know, I mean, there's there's always some kind of a positive associated with a negative, you know, or you gotta, you gotta look for it and seek it out sometimes, you know, and dig deep and, and find where that is. But uh, we're doing good. Thank you. And uh, I, I assume everything's good with you guys too, hopefully. Yeah, everything is fine. Uh, she said, thank God for that. And of course, we're still navigating those choppy waters because it's a rolling process, but I'm very grateful in this moment. And that's basically what I focus on the moment yeah. because one thing the pandemic has taught us is that, none of us knows what the next moment will offer. And right. so uh, just be appreciative and grateful in a moment. You talked a little bit about recording and touring. I want to get into that in just a few moments, but I got to always take it back to the beginning, Vincent. Sure. You are Connecticut born and bred. Tell me a little bit about your upbringing in Connecticut. Well, you know, I uh, <clears throat> was born and raised in a small town called Prospect, Connecticut. It's just outside of New Haven County. And I had a normal childhood for the most part, you know, did all the usual stuff, went to school and played sports and, and all that. But uh, come high school is when I really started to take a different path. You know, I mean, I've always been involved musically somehow in my life. I started on drums at, you know, three, four years old. And then just like a, this domino effect ensued, you know, I started picking up guitar and keys and then I joined the school band in fifth grade and I picked saxophone and because I was drawn to it at the time, I was listening to uh, Louis Prima, believe it or not. And he had a sax wow. player named Sam Butera, you know, real new Orleans honking tenor sound. And uh, that's what really what inspired me to play the sax. I was from, from Sammy, you know, he's still one of my biggest influences kind of off the radar. He's not mainstream known, but he, he, he played a integral part in Louis Prima sound and that, uh, the whole Vegas nightclub scene in the fifties and that Dixieland, New Orleans jazz and, and rock and roll kind of too. It was a, he was a mixture of, of both. And um, so that's when I kind of really made a conscious effort to turn the saxophone into my, my main voice. You know, I still love all the other instruments. I still play the other instruments, but I think at the end of the day, I, I'm associated the most with, with the saxophone being my, my main voice, but you know, all through high school, I played in restaurants and clubs. I had a one man show. I'd record all the tracks at home and I'd leave out the lead instrument. I was going to play live. My father did sound for me. My mother sold CDs. I had this local almost cult following that would come see me every weekend, restaurants, clubs, bars. I did that all through high school, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and kind of, you know, kind of cut my teeth and, and practiced, you know, on the gig, which is which is the best practicing, I think, you know, when you because uh, you got to get it right. You can't mess up. So I kind of honed my my playing and performing chops all through those four, five, six years. And um, towards the end of my high school run is when I came out with my, my first album, 
you know, and uh, people were starting to inquire at that time, when, are you going to come out with something? And I said, yeah, you know what? I think I will. And I, that's when I started, you know, sitting down and writing original music for the first time. And I was writing it in the vein of contemporary jazz because, mm. you know, my parents were listening to contemporary jazz. Uh, so growing up, I, I heard that around the house. And so and that's music that I was drawn to because I liked the fact that um, it was almost like an extension of, of soul and R&B and, and funk combined, but the saxophone or guitar is being the forefront. It's still instrumental music, but it still had uh, a connection to all this music that I grew up to, you know, with, with soul and funk and R&B and disco, because my father was a DJ. So I grew up with tons of music around the house. I mean, I just absorbed it all like a sponge, you know, growing up, my formative years. So um, I, I really connected to smooth jazz and contemporary jazz because it's a, it was just like made for me, a carbon copy of, of just what I wanted to do. Just, uh, you know, have the saxophone be my main voice, almost like I'm a singer, but I'm using the sax as a, as a lead vocal with, uh, with, with, with some deep urban grooves behind it. And, uh, and it's just music I connected to. It's just, it's what I felt at home with, you know? And so I just, I just kind of been <laughs> doing that ever since never looked back, you know? Yeah, well, I'm glad you've been doing it ever since and you never look back. I got to step back, though, for one second, because yeah. there's something that resonates with what you just said. This mm. is absolutely your story, but I'm going to insert myself as a point of privilege for just a moment. Sure. I also picked up the saxophone in the fifth grade. Oh, I wow. also played saxophone for one year, transferred <laughs> to a different school that didn't have a band and ever played. So your story is a little bit of what my story might have been had I kept playing the saxophone. Yeah, right. Right. Sure. I see that. I see that. You know, I was just, um, I guess I was just lucky enough also to just constantly always have um, an opportunity to play music. And there was always encouragement. You know, my family, uh, surprisingly enough, I'm the only one that plays instruments in my family. But my family, I still consider them very musical in the sense that they love music. There's always dancing at parties. My father was a DJ. Him and his brothers are big they followed bands, went to go see bands. So, I mean, you know, I, I never really was into sports or anything else. We were just, we're music people, the whole family, mm. we're, we're into it. <laughs> and uh, so that was always encouraged, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm very lucky that I had that encouragement and uh, it's, it's much easier when everyone's on board with it because they love it just as much as I did. So it was exciting for everybody when I was advancing and coming up the ranks. It just, it was just, it, we didn't, nobody even gave it a second thought. It was just like, something natural like you know that's this, this is who we are this is a part of our life music this is it we're going for it there's no other option you know <laughs> no other choice listen yeah you've been at this thing for over a decade now which mm. is absolutely exciting your resume of course is just stacked with all kinds of incredible success in terms of the music world but at 17 you dropped this debut album mm. north and soul and not only do you drop it, but it has some tremendous success because the song It Is What It Is peaks on Billboard at number 14. What was that like at 17 years old to be on the Billboard chart? Well, you know, the reality is I didn't even know it peaked at 14 at the time. Uh, that's how naive I was. And that's how much we didn't really. My parents and I, we went into this green. I mean, we didn't really. You know, I wasn't actively trying to, quote unquote, make it in the business, you know, kind of really. The reality of what happened at that time was I came out with that CD of original music. It was classified as smooth jazz, contemporary jazz, whatever you want to call it. But I thought I was really just releasing it to my local following, my local fan base at the time, you know. 
I really wasn't aware of the inner workings of the business. I mean, so it was released online, obviously it goes on all music platforms and there's, you know, I didn't realize that there's so many people around the world that actively seek out new music. And, you know, when it's in the world, the power of the internet wasn't thinking that far. So all of a sudden I'd be getting emails, you know, Hey man, we're playing your song over here in England or, you know, we're playing this song over in the Poland. I'm like, what? You know, what do you mean? You know, like I was so naive. It just, it's just kind of the, the internet kind of spread it around. And then we learned as we went along and then officially released the album on a more, you know, national scale and officially uh, promoted the record. And then, you know, got to, got to the radio channels and it worked its way up and kind of just organically uh, grew to there. But I didn't even really know that at the time. I wasn't following charts. I was just still, I mean, I was still in high school, number one. I was still playing out every weekend. So it's just kind of, uh, <laughs> I didn't go into anything with any expectations. Yeah. Let's put it that way. I just kept playing because of the love of music. And just, um, it was just a part of me. And I just didn't even give it a second thought. And so I, th I think that's the best way to go into things sometimes without any expectations. Because, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't set up for disappointment because I didn't expect, expect anything. So everything that happened was just the icing on the cake, so to speak, you know? Yeah. So, well, you know, it's it very interesting. Yeah, very organic process indeed. And, and one very wise person once said, if you follow your passion, the money will follow, the satisfaction, the gratification will follow. And it absolutely yeah. sounds like that's been a big part of your journey, just following your passion, having fun with something that you love to do, and then experiencing great success in doing that. Well, whatever you do, whether it's music or whatever profession, you got to do it for the love of it. You know, if you're, if you're doing something strictly for the money, you're in the wrong profession. You know, you have to do something that exudes happiness, excuse me, and joy from you and satisfies your soul first. And even with music, you know, when I make albums, I'm not making songs with the intention of, oh, I hope everybody likes this or is this going to be a hit or that, you know, I'm making music for myself first. If I'm happy with it, then I, I got to get to the point where I'm happy with it and then have the confidence to say that, well, hopefully everyone else will like it too, because you got to be comfortable with it. You know, when you, when you release something into the world, uh, you can't take it back you know, it's very permanent. So you got to be a hundred percent sure that you are, it's, 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 it's satisfying you on all levels, you know, soulfully, spiritually, musically. And, uh, and that's that. So, you know, I'm at the point now where I just say, you know, I, or I have the confidence to, to say to myself, you know what, I, I, I think that if I like it, other people are going to like it because it's been proven time and time again. So you just, I got to get to a point where I'm feeling comfortable first and I'm into it. And then when I'm ready to go, I just, you know, send it off and that's it. And then it goes out into the world and I just hold my breath every single time. <laughs> <laughs> you never know how someone's going to receive your music when, when it comes out. You know, you're listening to this music for a year, year and a half, two years, and you get accustomed to it. But, you know, I, I never take for granted. I mean, I never assume that people are just going to love it or fall over. it. I, I, I don't know any from album to album. So I just feel blessed every time it comes out and, and People are, uh, you know, very receptive to the music. It's a blessing and it's, a, it's an honor that I'm able to keep going and performing and touring and, and that they let me continue to make music. It's the fans that, that let me and encourage me to keep going with this. You know, it's a, it's a team process. I, I can make music and perform it. It's, it's, I would never be able to keep doing that if it wasn't without the support of, of the music followers and fans and friends. And, and that's, that's what it's all about. It's a team effort.
That's Vincent Ngala with On The Move from his album Fire and Desire. And now back to Kenny's conversation with Vincent on jazz with Kenny Anderson. At what point did you realize that there was really something happening with this music thing that you were so passionate about? Uh, perhaps it was um, beyond the point of that uh, moment at age 17 that you're on the billboard at number mm-hmm. 14. But at, at what point in your life was it sort of like you, you kind of looked around and thought, you know, wow, something's happening here. I'm really starting to get this, understand it. And I'm moving in the direction that really seems to be uh, something significant and important in my life. Well, you know, it was a real eye opener the first time I went out to California and I went out there with my parents on a good faith uh, proposition, a good faith gig. In other words, I, uh, there's this whole thing in, in March of 2011, they, they kind of refer to it now as the lemonade weekend is called. And basically what that was is there was a, an award ceremony happening in San Diego. It's called, it was actually the Oasis Smooth Jazz Awards, which was happening for many years. And at the very last minute, they canceled the Oasis Smooth Jazz Awards and everybody was in town still. Everybody had flown in for this. It was a popular event and this is how last minute it was. Everybody was in town. So um, I I was scheduled to do a, a new artist showcase at a club in San Diego. There were a lot of events going on uh, throughout San Diego that week for this event. And I was um, approached with the opportunity. My, my first album was already circulating and there was some buzz. So I was approached with this opportunity of, of, of coming out to play a half hour set or something at this club as a new artist showcase for everyone that's in town for this award ceremony that didn't happen. So here I am with my parents. We go out there. We don't know one person. We don't know one thing. We're naive. And you know, I do the showcase, it's received well, whatever, it's fun. And then that night, literally, there's another event. We found out Peter White's in town and he's getting up there with some speakers. He put some speakers in his car and he's going to go to the Hard Rock Hotel. He's going to set up and he's going to do an impromptu concert with some tracks and a percussion player. And he emails me and says, you want to play with me? Wow. Because someone sent in my video or something. I don't know. He was aware of my playing or something. And so so that was, that was mind blowing to me. So yeah, I said, I do know your songs, which I did because I grew up, my my parents would play albums around the house. So I was familiar with a lot of the hits and we had never played together before, but Mm. we did that night. And um, it was a magic and a chemistry and it was just, everything was happening at once. And I kind of sensed that um, there was, there was something in the air. There was something going on, you know, there's a whole nother world opened up to all of a sudden I'm out, in California, across the country, never been there before. I'm playing with Peter White, I'm playing with all these musicians. First time playing with a live band. You know, I was playing the tracks back home. It's this eye-opening. And then a month later, I get asked to go back out, and I got hired for the Newport Beach Jazz Festival. That was really my breakout gig in Newport mm-hmm. Beach, California. And so that's, you know, and this was all before my senior prom. <laughs> wow. This was all before my senior prom, senior year of high school. And so, you know, that's kind of. I think that's a, a very big eye opener. And I, I think that's a very big uh, indication at the time for me that things were moving and shaking. You know, I mean, it's definitely a, much different from what was going on prior. I was just a local guy and, uh, and uh, you know, playing to my local following. But then this happens and it's like, you know, it's hard not to 
to, 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 to realize that something's going on here. Something things are, there's activity, there's something moving, you know? So yeah. that was a very exciting time. No doubt. Yeah. That, that's a great story. In fact, you know, it also reminds me about how oftentimes when people get that big break, uh, people define it as a breakout moment. Mm-hmm. And I know you as an artist certainly understand this, that there were so many hours, so many days, so many years that actually laid the foundation for that moment. And uh, people use the analogy of the iceberg. The tip of the iceberg is at the top and then everything that is under yeah. that represents all of the effort that was put into getting to that moment. So it's never, there's no such thing really as instant success in something you've actually prepared for that. And no I'm way. sure you would understand that, subscribe to that as well. It's really impossible to have instant success. Like It goes without saying, any, any pop star you see on TV or in Vegas or so, someone that ever, it just seems to come out of nowhere. You know, they're, they're, like Lady Gaga, for example, people don't realize that she has honed her craft and paid her dues for years and years and years to get and preparation meets timing meets responsibility meets uh, readiness and and a little bit of luck thrown in a little bit of timing. I mean, of course, that goes without saying, but, you know, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes for someone to get to that point. So there's really no such thing as an overnight success. It's just it's sudden for a lot of people that almost sudden might know who, you know, who, who I discover somebody. But really, the reality that is that there was a lot of work put in. Uh, prior to that. And there was no doubt. I mean, I, I, if I didn't have that experience playing out locally for years and years, paying dues and, and, and learning how to perform and getting comfortable with the crowd and learning how to put a show together and communicate and perform, you know, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been as ready and prepared when I got that opportunity to go out to California. So by the time I got out there, I was already equipped with these tools and this experience on a much smaller level, but it helped me get to that point to you know, to, to <laughs> pull it off enough where it, it was deemed, you know, successful enough to keep going, you know? So. I, I've I had a chance. Understand. I've yeah. had a chance to see your performance and uh, a couple of times now, and I look forward to many more times to see you perform, <laughs> but you perform with a type of energy that is just electrifying and all consuming. Uh, just talk about what it's like being out there on that stage performing. Well, you know, a lot of artists will tell you that it's uh, a feeling like no other. It's addicting. There's just something about playing to an audience, feeding off their energy. They give it back to you too. You know, I mean, you, you, when you when you when you play in front of a lively crowd, that inspires you like no other to give it back to them. It's like this constant circle of give and take, give and take. And you know, you got a band behind you, and you're interacting with musicians and playing live music <clears throat> and lights. And, you know, exciting moments in the show that you're planning. I just, it's just entertainment. I love it. I just love the whole aspect of the entertainment business, start to finish, even all the details that go into it prior and uh, all the little things, the travel, it's all exciting. And it's just, uh, it's almost a religious experience. You know, when you're, when everything is right, sound is right, you're up there with the band, you're making music, people are enjoying it. It's really, I mean, I don't really know how to compare it to anything else. And that is, you know, through all the trials and tribulations of being on the road and traveling and, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of stress associated with that missed flights, early lobby calls and being tired and no food and hungry. I mean, there's a lot of that, but 
what keeps us going is what I just described. You know, we, we still wouldn't trade it for anything else in this world because it's all worth it when you hit that stage and everything's right and all, all is right in the world. Let's put it that way. You can't do no wrong when you hit that stage. It's just a very, very special feeling. <clears throat> it's a feeling that never gets old. And that's why it's it's fresh every single time you do it. You know, it's a it's very hard to come up with something else that is is that strong, that powerful, you know. I also want to acknowledge the fact that you're one of the most personable people I know in the industry. Oh, man. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> I mean, you really are. I mean, you're just um, uh, just a very down to earth, uh, very humble person, in my oh, opinion. Man. I appreciate uh, that. You know, the first time we met, of course, you celebrated the fact that you uh, that Jackie was my uh, sister yes. and, uh, and, that, and that she had done some good things in terms of just promoting your work on, on the radio station at WJB. And that was significant. And you were very appreciative and very grateful for those things. And I really, I really appreciate that about you as a person uh, that you have not forgotten where you've come from. You give credit to things where credit is due and uh, just very personable. And I really like that about you. Vincent. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And um, my, my idol, Sam Butera, the saxophonist I mentioned before, he had a great saying. It's, it's good words to live by. He said, it's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice, you know. Mm. And that resonated with me because uh, you can't you can't forget where you came from and you can't not acknowledge people that have helped you along the way. And uh, because, like I said, it's a team effort. What, what good would music be and, and what I have to offer if there's not people behind it, supporting it and playing it. You know, it's everybody is involved in this together and uh, in, in the in the in, in the process of sharing music and with the world and, and getting it out there. And, and Jackie has been there from the very beginning and everybody at WJAB, very, very supportive uh, station and very helpful to me in my career. So, uh, Jackie, we love you if you're listening. And, uh, and thank you for everything, all your support over the years. And uh, it's been too long, by the way, Jackie. I need to see you very soon. It's been a couple <laughs> years. We gotta, we, we need a little family reunion going out soon. So <laughs> she'll she'll oh, definitely no. pick this up and listen to it for sure. Um, Vincent, I want to ask you about uh, coming out of the pandemic, uh, but yeah. I also want to first of all ask you about being in the pandemic. I know talked to a lot of artists who talked about inspiration during the pandemic, some of the challenges, but also the fact that it motivated and inspired creativity. What kinds of unique experiences did you find in the midst of this journey? Well, you know, I think um, it was such a shock at first. Everybody had to hit the pause button and we were going, 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 always involved in something. And all of a sudden, it just, everything's just completely stopped and you nothing for, you know, we didn't know how long it was going to be. It was the, un the uh, unknown at the time. But I think uh, after we kind of got comfortable with the fact that this is happening and this is a reality, uh, it gave everybody a chance to hit the reset button, so to speak, and kind of reset and gain a fresh perspective on things. I know for a fact that, you know, um, a big reality is that you don't miss what you have until it's gone or you don't appreciate what you have until it's gone. And not that we ever took things for granted, but it's just easy to get caught up in the everyday uh, comings and goings of life. So in other words, you know, we're just so busy touring and recording. You don't have a chance to stop and think and really appreciate what you're doing. And when all that stopped, you're saying, man, I would do anything to get on an airplane right now and check into a hotel and do a show. It's like and then, then you get scared at the, at the, at the thought of uh, 
Am I ever going to do this again? I can't believe it. This was all I knew. This was my life. And you hit the panic button really quick. But, you know, we, um, we found a chance to, uh, I know a lot of people got involved in other hobbies and activities and things that uh, they would have never normally had the time to do or get involved in prior. Uh, a lot of people found love. You know, I, I know I did actually during the pandemic, which was something very special and unexpected a special, uh, special lady in my life. You know, I, I would have never had a chance to uh, grow and cultivate that relationship if I was busy on the road. So that's a positive about it. But most importantly, you know, um, one thing that didn't have to end was making music and, and making um, and, and creating songs. And so, you know, I'm home here. I have a home studio. And so I had extra time to devote to new music, which resulted in uh, my latest project, which just came out uh, last week. And, um, you know, if, if there were any distractions before, cause you know, like always making music before was you had to fit it in in between touring and doing other stuff. You had to carve out specific time to sit down and be creative. Well, we had plenty of time for that with the pandemic. So I was really able to turn everything else off and just really, uh, I, <laughs> I think there was some kind of energy associated with that because, you know, I just, all these creative juices started flowing. And uh, I think it's reflected in my playing on the new record. I just, there's this, uh, there's this fresh energy that, you know, I didn't know I had. And uh, I think it was just that starvingness to, to play music and there's some kind of story to tell, some kind of inspiration out of this whole thing. And so I'm very appreciative and thankful that that time allowed me to, uh, to work on the material that eventually made up this, this new record, you know? So, you know, with, with all the negatives associated with it, there's a lot of positives, no doubt. Yeah. Tell me the title of the project. And uh, are there any uh, guest artists on there? Or are you playing all the instruments on there once again? Tell me a little bit about that. Well, it's my seventh studio album. It's called Fire and Desire. And I just love that title. You know, I just thought, I thought it was really cool. And um, no guests, believe it or not, on this record. Mm -hmm. I've had guests on the last record, um, which I like to do every now and then if I feel somebody could contribute something uh, signature and special to a record, but this record, I just, um, I just got busy and so to speak and just put my head down and got to work and, uh, had a lot of great original material that I wanted to work on and pursue. There's one cover song on there, a little more of an obscure, uh, 70s song that Houston person, uh, did saxophone player. And then my father uh, introduced me to that record. It's called disco sax fun little mm. early disco song. Uh, right before disco really hit, early disco. And uh, I wanted to remake that song, but everything else was original. And uh, I did all the instrumentation on this record, I, it, which I do most mm. of my records. You know, that's just, mm. that's a whole nother um, aspect to what I love doing. I've always been, as much as I've loved performing and touring and, and all that, I, I'm equally uh, comfortable and at home in the studio setting. I've always been into multi-tracking and recording and, uh, you know, in the studio from a young age, I remember I had a, a, a cassette four track recorder at nine years old, layering instruments and playing on top of each other. So I was always intrigued by that, you know, so I just, uh, you know, I, 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 I play all the instruments. So I have the ability to get the sound that I'm looking for. In other words, you know, I, I know exactly what I want. I hear it in my head and I have the means to get it out. So I just do it myself because I feel at the end of the day, I'm the best uh, judge of, you know, what I want to hear and what I need to do. So I just 
I've just always taken it in my own hands and I guess it's worked out in my favor, but you know, every now and then I will work with, I'll bring in like a really specialty bass player. If I want someone's signature character, I, I know my limitations. I know what I can't do. And I know when I want to bring somebody in, but this project is just uh, a lot of pure creative juices flowing. And um, mm. I wanted to pursue these songs. I had them down and it worked on them. And the result is, uh, is this record. And I'm really, really thrilled that it's finally out and people could start hearing the music because I've heard it for so long. I've heard it for almost a year now, you know, so it's time. To, <laughs> I'm, I'm sick of it now. It's time to just let it go and let other people hear. I can't hear it anymore. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let them vibe off of it. Absolutely. Yeah. You do vocals also, don't you? I do. I sing a little bit. I didn't do it any on this record, but uh, I, I always throw a little vocal track or two um, on my records. I do sing in my show regularly. You know, it's uh, people relate to vocals and you got to throw a little bit in there. So I like to, I like to switch it up, you know, so it's not just all sax all night, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but uh, I get bored easily too. I want to, I want to hop on guitar. I want to hop on drums. I want to switch it up a little bit too. You know, why not? We can, uh, I like giving people a variety, a little smorgasbord, if you will, of, uh, of entertainment. It keeps the show interesting and it keeps people's interest and it keeps my interest. So it's, uh, it's a win-win all the way around, I think. Well, that's why we described it as a fun-loving stage presence that combines uh, the energy of the music experience with the obvious passion that you have for what you do and the work that you create and share with the world. Mm -hmm. If people want to get a hold of the new project, how would they go about doing that? I know you've got a very robust tour uh, date, set of dates coming up. You also have a, a robust um, um, Internet presence. So tell us a little bit about how people can connect with you. Well, I'm uh, very accessible on social media platforms, Facebook or Instagram, whatever you prefer, whatever you like. And uh, my handle is Vincent Ngala. Very simple. So, you know, if anybody ever feels like dropping by to say hi or drop a quick note, I'm always happy to uh, interact and write back. But uh, my website really is the, is the main answer for everything, VincentNgala.com. And of course, the new record is um, available everywhere music is sold, whether you like if you still buy a physical CD off Amazon, it's there. If you like uh, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, it's all there. So, you know, that's the great part. The great part about um, the modern digital age, you know, music is uh, is much more accessible now than it's ever been. You know, I mean, whether, whether that's a pro or a con, I don't know. Because, you know, in the old days, you actually had to go out and buy the record if you wanted to hear the song. Or you had to borrow the record or go to someone's house that had the record. But now it seems to be just, you know, in the air. I mean, what is the Internet? You know, where is the Internet? Where, where are these songs? What is this cloud? You know, it's just kind of it's kind of crazy, but you can't get too deep into it. This, this is just this is how it works now. and This is here to stay. So it's just I think you got to adapt to it and uh, make the best out of it. You know, and at the, at the end of the day, the fact that music is more accessible to people is great because uh, it's easier to, to, to get your music heard and shared out there and people can get it if they want to hear it. And, and social media is a great tool to spread all that and, uh, and connect us all. Literally. I mean, I've, I've been at shows and I've recognized people in the, in line after or in the audience that I've never met before, but I recognize them from Facebook from being friends. So it's like a small world. We're all connected. You know, it's really amazing. It really is. And, uh, there's, there's a lot of advantages to, to living in the modern digital age. And the, I mean, let's put, that's, let's put it this way. That's all I know, because that's my generation. You know, I don't know what it's like the old school way. I, I'm an old soul, and I wish sometimes that I was part of, uh, I was born in the, in, in the old days, you know, because I, I, I love the whole music scene back then. And I, I wish, I love simpler times, you know, I'm an old, 
old school guy and I'm sentimental, but you know, uh, I would never be able to make it this far in music if I, if I wasn't in this digital age, because back then you had to be signed to a label. You had to have access to a major studio. You couldn't record at home. You couldn't release something independently. So I'm just thankful that I'm able to be in this age and have the opportunity to share music uh, in the 21st century or whatever century we're living in. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm grateful. And I, I happen to be uh, from the old school, but I'm glad that you're an old soul that connects us to the past of those incredible years of music. And thank oh, you, Vincent, man. so much for spending this time with us this afternoon, for gracing my platform, Jazz with Kenny Anderson. And I my look pleasure. forward to additional opportunities to connect with you. Well, I look forward to seeing you again and hopefully we'll be back in Alabama soon and uh, or anywhere nearby. But thank you very much for having me on the show. It's been a pleasure and uh, appreciate your support all these years and uh, really means a lot to me. And uh, great, great to sit down and uh, talk about the biz a little bit, you know. All right. Great. Thank you, Vincent. Thank you, Kenny. Jazz with Kenny Anderson is a partnership with Jazz in the Park Huntsville and is produced by David Person for David Person Media, LLC. The theme music was written and produced by Kelvin Wooten. Damian Malone provides podcast platform management. We hope you'll join us for the next episode of Jazz with Kenny Anderson. The Cynthia Joyner Real Estate Group is an award-winning team with hundreds of successful transactions under their belt. Through their national network, the Cynthia Joyner Real Estate Group works hard to help families realize the dream of home ownership. As a community advocate, Cynthia Joyner is proud to be the presenting sponsor of Jazz in the Park Huntsville. You can find the Cynthia Joyner Real Estate Group on the web at CynthiaJoyner.com.